Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of God our Father. Amen. Today I want to take a look at one of the greatest causes of why people have struggles in their relationships, badness in their relationships, misfortune in their relationships. And the cause is simply this, is that we just basically don't know how to get rid of the past. Anybody ever heard the phrase, letting go and letting God? Right? And usually we kind of think of that when there's this big problem in front of us and, or, or there's this big struggle and, and we can't solve it by ourselves. So we're going to let go of the responsibility of the universe, right? We're going to give it to God and, and God's going to handle it. But probably in a similar way, the greatest way to use that phrase is when it comes to stuff in our past. And when it comes to stuff in your past, are we very good at letting go and letting God heal? That letting go thing is something that continues to confound our relationships over and over and over as we walk through them. In fact, even as you you saw the imagery of that guy pulling up the the sack of bricks up, did that look easy? No, he was like, I mean, he's a good shaped guy, but he he was struggling a little bit as he was carrying that bag forward. Whatever baggage that you have in your past, doesn't that complicate your present relationships? It's interesting, I came across this, uh, article one time and it's about a lady and she said this when I walked down the aisle in my wedding dress I had no idea I was carrying with me so much emotional garbage into our marriage but after we got married what I soon realized was that I had to let go of that garbage before my marriage could really get that solid foundation that needed to grow and I share those words with you this morning just simply because I think we have to acknowledge this at the very beginning that we all have garbage in our life that we carry with us and it complicates our present relationships. If you've been hurt in the past, does that complicate your present relationship? Absolutely. If you've been lied to in the past, does that complicate your current relationship? Absolutely. Every bad thing that's ever happened to you in your life complicates your current relationships. Now, if we could put a, a positive spin on that, we do learn some things, and we grow from some things, and we, we learn to ignore some things, which is probably a healthy move forward. But, but everything we've experienced in our life, all the pain, all the hurt, all the times people have put a knife in our back, all the times that people lie to us, everything kind of mixes in and presents itself in the present. And that's not fair to us, and it's certainly not fair to the people that we're in relationship with. And so Paul shares with us this powerful verse in verse 12. He says, I let go of the past... And I hold on to the future. I let go of the past and I hold on to the future. So I think the question that really just kind of presents itself with that statement, because there's much wisdom in that, is how in the world do you do that? And so the scripture gives us a lot of wisdom on this. It's the idea of forgiveness, right? Of letting go of the past, whether it be guilt or whatever it is, and moving forward with what God has planned for us. And there's three things I'd like to kind of talk to you about today that are all really difficult to let go of. And this idea of letting go and letting God. But I want you to hear it. Letting go of the past struggles and letting God heal. Give you peace. Give you strength for a new beginning. One of the first things that we must learn to give up is our then our grudges, being mad at people. In Ephesians 4.31, this is what Paul says. He says, get rid of all bitterness. And so if you have bitterness, Paul says, get rid of it. Get rid of the rage and the anger, the brawling and the slander. Slander is saying something that's mean, that's not true about somebody. It can even be true about somebody, but you're doing it to do a a misrepresentation of their their character to, to bring them down. Brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, And instead, be kind and compassionate toward one another, which means forgiving, which means patient. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And so it says here, get rid of all your bitterness. 
If I were to ask you, can you think of somebody that's hurt you badly in your life, all of you would go back to one name, probably. I mean, there's always usually the one or the two people that really hurt you, and you struggle forgiving them. And you struggle at times in the middle of the night because you've heard their name, and you struggle for kind of wrestling through some of those past things. And what you've done is you've allowed them to hurt you thousands of times since the incident ever even happened in the first place. Paul says it's time to get rid of the bitterness, to throw it away, to eliminate it. Don't hold on to the resentment. Because if you do, it will ruin your relationships today. The fact is, there's just a few things that cause more damage to relationships than resentment. Why? Because we depend on each other to meet our needs. Physical needs, financial needs, social needs, spiritual needs. And as a result of that, when our needs don't get met, what do we do? We get mad at people. We have certain expectations that you will meet these needs and when you blow them off or when you don't take them seriously or when you don't do them, we get mad at you. We don't care about that. We get angry. You're not meeting my needs, we say. And we get resentful. The problem with that, though, is that it doesn't work. When you're resentful, it doesn't ever make the other person suffer as much as it does you. It doesn't upset the other person. It pretty much only upsets you. They may be out having a great time. Maybe at a party, not even thinking about the situation with you at all, but you're at home stewing and spewing, thinking about, I just can't stand that person. You're only hurting you. On top of that, resentment's rather worthless. You can be resentful toward people who have hurt you in the past, but guess what? It never changes anything that's happened. It it never changes one little thing. No matter how much you resent it, they will never change the past. It never resolves the problem. What it does is it only makes matters worse, right? So they did something to you that was a slight or maybe more than a slight and it was wrong and it was mean and they shouldn't have done it and you're mad. But then the more you think about it, do you get madder and madder and madder? So much so that you said goodbye to some relationships that were important to you in your life because you couldn't bear the thought of forgiving them, of moving past it. It destroys things. It's also rather controlling. This is something that most people don't think about. When you say to somebody, you make me so mad, what are you doing? You're admitting your weakness. You're saying, you make me. That means you control me. You control my emotions. You have power to control me. That's a manipulator's dream to hear those words. But here's a little secret. Nobody can make you mad without your permission. Nobody. And so what you're doing is you're allowing them to make you mad. Some of you have been hurt in the past. To be honest, all of us have been hurt in the past. But some of you are continuing to allow people from your past to hurt you in the present, even though they're not around anymore. Even though you can't see them, touch them, hear them, you just are continuing to allow them to manipulate your future. And the Bible says that's dumb. So Paul says again, get rid of your bitterness. Your past is past. It cannot hurt you anymore unless you let it. So for your own sake, Paul says we need to give up our grudges. And I tell you, grudges are are a funny thing. It doesn't even have to be over a big thing, does it? But we find ourselves holding on to them for years. And even those that we think we've forgiven, you say the name, and what happens? We go right back to that situation, right back to the anger, to the hurt, to the pain. God says it's time to let that stuff go so that you no longer have to experience that. It's formative if it's made you part in who you are, but now you can let it go. You don't have to keep rehearsing it. And there's freedom in that, and there's peace that comes from that. Have you ever decided to forgive somebody and felt a peace? 
about your interactions with them, about being able to go now into situations and it didn't matter because you fixed the relationship, you restored the relationship. There's a peace that happens, that transpires when we learn to forgive. Here's another one that's hard to give up, but we must learn to give up our grief. Sorrow is a normal part of life. Everybody experiences loss. Many of you even had losses this last year, and it's hard, and it's painful, and it hurts. And grieving is a natural part of the human life. Every one of us will grieve because every one of us will lose somebody. And there's nothing wrong with mourning. In fact, the Bible even says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The Bible says it's, it's even okay to weep and to grieve, especially over evil, right? For it's a part of life. But there's a big difference between mourning and moaning. Moaning is when it turns into self-pity. Poor me. When you moan, you kind of resign to life and you say, I quit. I'll never be happy again. I've lost it all. But can I just say, even if that's what you're struggling with, why be a victim? Why sentence yourself for the rest of your life to being a victim? And I say that because the reality is you haven't lost it all. You're still here. There's lots of people around you that still care about you. But a lot of people, when they lose somebody, they build up this wall around themselves and they impose this self-imposed isolation. And they say, I'm never going to allow anybody to get close to me again because if I do, I might get hurt. They'll get close to me and I'll lose them, so I'll build up this wall and I'll wall away the world and I'll wall myself in. But the reality, and this is a truth, pain is a part of life. It's just a part of life. Everybody here hurts Everybody here has hurts and heartaches from the past. We've all experienced them in life. It's part of what makes life life. But God says in his word, do not allow your pain to make you a prisoner of that pain. In other words, you've got to let, learn to let go of your grief so that you can have good relationships today. And if you ever met anybody who's just been having a struggle moving past the death of somebody in their life, it's hard for them to engage fully in the present, in their relationships, to engage, to, to have fun, to learn to enjoy the present and the future because they're still holding on to the grief of the past. So how do you let go of your grief? There's a story in 2 Samuel 12 about David. I think it's a beautiful story even though it comes from unbeautiful things. It's a story that tells about David having an illegitimate child with a gal named Bathsheba. The kind of the backstory is that he took another man's wife. He had her husband killed. It was sin in the gravest degree. There was adultery. There was murder. Everything about it was wrong. But she became pregnant and bore a son, and the son became very, very, very ill. God told David that the son would die as a consequence, as a punishment for the sin that he had done with this gal. In response to that, David laid himself out on the ground for days. and He prayed over and over, God, save this child. Don't spare this child. Don't let this child die because of my mistake, because of my sin. He fasted and he wept, but the child still died. And the reality is we don't always get what we're praying for, especially when it's in opposition to God's will. In 2 Samuel 12, 16 and 18, it just says, David pleaded with God for the child and he fasted and he went into his house and he spent nights lying on the ground. But on the seventh day, the child died. But it's in response to that that David did some really helpful things after the child's passing. And it's the same two things that we need to learn to do to get rid of our grief. 
And the first step is we need to learn to accept that which cannot be changed. And that's the first thing David did. He accepted what couldn't be changed. In 2 Samuel 12, verse 22, it says, Then David got up from the ground and he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and I wept. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back to life again? No. David said, when there was a chance to save the child, man, I did everything I could. I prayed, I fasted, I wept. I kept going to God nonstop, hoping that he would change his mind. But now the child is dead. God has weighed in. His punishment remained. And so now it's time for me to get on with life. He accepted what could not be changed. Now, many of you are in pain right now from events that have happened years ago. And the key piece of, of mind, and the key to your peace of mind is one word. It's acceptance. Acceptance of God's will in your life. For some of you, you've lost amazing people. And it was just God's will. It was their time to take them home to heaven to receive their victory, their reward, their prize. It's part of life. It's part of the life of a Christian to receive that victory. Rejoice with them. But even in those cases, it's time to get rid of the grief. Acceptance of God's will in your life. God does not have a plan B for your life. He only has a plan A. That God is still on the throne, that he's still in control, and that you need to accept what cannot be changed. In other words, let go of your grief, and it will relieve so much pain in your life. And again, in the same sense, it gives you a freedom then to move on with your future. Now, there's a thing that keeps people from doing that, and that's what we'll talk about next. Oh, wait, let me give you the second point, and then we'll talk about that part. Okay, second part is focus on what's left and not what's lost. It says, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went into her and lay with her, and she gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. In other words, it just kind of highlights this, that he still had friends, that he still had family, that he still had loved ones in his life. He looked at what he had left, not on what he had lost. I've heard people say to me, I don't have anything left. But you do too, right? You have your life. You, you, you live in the greatest country in the world today. You, you have people in this church filled with people who will pray for you and care for you and love you if you make your needs known. You have a lot more than you're looking at currently, I promise you. But you've got to give up your grief to see it. Self-pity is always much more damaging to your life than any tragedy that you'll ever face because it perpetuates the pain long after the point of which you should be able to manage it. Some of you are still holding on to grudges from the past. You're still holding on to grief from the past and you're taking this to your relationships and it's complicating your present relationships today and making them worse because you just can't let go. You're in bondage to those memories. You're in bondage to those hurts. And then the third thing that complicates this. I've talked to people that want to move on to get to that next part, but they feel guilty about moving on. Anybody ever experienced that or known somebody? It's like it would be betraying their loved one's memory if they actually move past it. They feel guilty. Some of it's just it's like this guy, one of the bricks he threw was guilt. It can be over things that you've done. It can be over false guilt, which is what that would be. And so the third thing that we must learn to give up is our guilt. Crazily, some people refuse to receive the forgiveness of God. They just refuse to receive it. They hang on to their guilt. They hold on to it. They lock themselves into a prison as if they're paying for their own sins. A letter received by a pastor one time says, I'm 31 years old and divorced. 
Though I fought the divorce bitterly, I feel bad that it went, because it went through anyway. And I now feel badly that I have no hope for the future. Often I go from home to church and cry because there's no one to hold me when I cry. No one cares. I beg God for the grace to be single, for his glory, and to fix my eyes on Jesus, but nothing happens. I continue to fail. I'm a basket case emotionally. I'm on the verge of collapse. I know something is terribly wrong. I'm so crippled and embittered, and I can scarcely relate to anybody anymore. I feel as I will have to set out the rest of my life in the penalty box. Must be a hockey fan. I share those words with you because it seems to describe a lot of people I've met over the years. I've even talked to 13-year-olds who've come up to me and says, my life's over, right? I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life in a penalty box. I made a mistake, I blew it, and so for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to deal with God's plan B because certainly God's plan A went out the window when I sinned. I can no longer have God's best for my life because I made some dumb, silly mistakes, and so the rest of my life is wasted. Need some examples? High school kid gets pregnant. Kid gets strung out on drugs. Parents both die in a car crash. It's funny how life happens. Somebody once said that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. If you're going to let that 10% dictate your life and you're going to play victim for the rest of your life, you're going to have complications more than you can bear. And the reality is that there's always hope because of Jesus. No one sin defines you for the rest of your life. This is the message of the good news, that we have a forgiving God, that we have a gracious God, that we have a God of the second chance, a God of new beginnings, but you've got to give up your guilt. It's what he died for. We're in the middle of Lent, right? Some of you watched The Passion on Wednesday. And this is what Peter did, right? Both he and Judas, if you remember the story, denied Jesus that night. One betrayed him, one denied him. Both felt incredibly guilty for their actions as the story plays out. But they both responded in very different ways. Judas decided to give up and he killed himself. But Peter, instead he turned toward the Lord in his darkest hour. In Matthew 26, 75, it says, Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken, and he went outside and he wept bitterly. He had the same remorse that Judas did, but instead of giving up, he turned and he confessed his sins to God, and he had to weep uncontrollably for hours and hours. How do I know that he did that? Because a few days later, God used him in an amazingly powerful way. But Peter, man, he must have said, God, I'm so sorry. I was with Jesus every day for three and a half years. I watched every move that he made, and yet when it came down to it, I just copped out. I got scared. I denied I ever knew you. I really, I really let you down. And I wonder if you've ever said that to God or something similar because of something you've done in the past. God, I've blown it. I've really let you down. But it's into those moments that God comes to us, and he says, no, child, you didn't let me down you didn't let me down because you wouldn't, weren't holding me up in the first place. You don't hold God up, he holds you up. You don't hold God in your hands, he holds you in his hands. And this may shock you, okay, and so I'm going to say it twice, but nothing you ever do surprises God. I'm going to say that again. Nothing you ever do surprises God. It disappoints God, but, but, but never surprises him. And isn't it amazing that he knows every stupid mistake you'll ever make for the rest of your life, and yet he still loves you? 
man, he knows everything that you'll do. And he still loves you. There's a picture of grace in that, undeserved love. God's gracious love for you is independent of your stupidity. Not you guys, probably, but you know what I'm saying. Peter said, God, how could you use me? I'm so unfaithful. But he confessed his sin, and he repented. And Peter, the man who denied Jesus Christ at his crucifixion, was the same man that God chose 50 days later on the day of Pentecost to teach and to preach. And 3,000 people were saved. That's the God of the second chance. That's the good news. You confess it to God, and the Bible says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to wipe away our past. If you like, that's the soap version of the Bible, right? It's, he's washing away with some extra powerful soap, right? My daughter was at a swimming yesterday, and they put a little football stuff on her, and so we got some soap, and we wiped it off, and she looked brand new again, right? And that's what God shares with you today, that you are forgiven, that you're wiped clean, that because of Jesus, you have now become a new person inside. It's the idea of being born again, starting over, getting a, a brand new shot at life where you don't have to live the rest of your life in the penalty box, consumed by grief, consumed by guilt, consumed by anger. Because of what Jesus did in dying for you on the cross, because of what Jesus did in rising for you at Easter, he did it so that you ex could experience today what second chances and new beginnings are all about. He did it to set you free. He did it so that one day you could be with him in heaven. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let us pray. Fathers, we talk through some of these hurts in our life. All of us struggle being good at this letting go of the past. There's people that have hurt us in the past, and it doesn't seem fair to let them off the hook. And so we keep staying mad, and this becomes so ritualistic in us that we just accept that as part of the way we deal with the memories of that person. And yet it holds us in bondage and we relive the pain over and over and you've said, you called us to forgive, to set us free from the past. Some of us have lost loved ones, people that meant everything to us. And it hurts and, and they, our absence is palatable and we struggle and we don't know how to move on and we feel guilty with the idea of even moving on. Father, help us forgive ourselves. Help us receive the reality that you've got this and give us that freedom again to move forward. And for others who struggle with guilt from the past, we just can't move past whatever because it was so horrible, so wrong. Let us remember that we can't outsin your grace, that your forgiveness is real, that it's there to make the past disappear. Not the consequences always, we have to deal with those, but, but the guilt can be dis made to disappear so that we can move forward in freedom to deal with life in the future on different terms. Father, help us be free today. Help us receive Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen.